Welcome to The Logbook. I'm your host, Lucas Weekly. This episode is supported by you, the listeners, through Patreon. Head over to thelogbookpodcast.com for more information. This time we hear several stories from an ultralight flying couple about their most interesting flights. But before that, here's the daredevilish way our first storyteller got into flying. For how I got into it is I used to jump out of helicopters and stuff in the Navy, you know, so I love the, I, I always love to fly, I just never had a mentor, any way to get into it. But uh, when I got out of Navy, started having kids, you know, and you know, no money. Uh, I, I wanted to get into something aviation cheap, you know, to have a lot of money. So I looked in an aviation magazine and I seen this advertisement for power paragliding. Well, he was, he was a little bit north of me. So me and my buddy took a plane ride up, up to Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, to see what it was about. And uh, I, I can't forget, I, so I can't remember the guy's name, but he was an ex-Vietnam vet. All right. So when I met him, he comes hobbling up to me. Now, he's flying backpack paragliders now, right? But he comes hobbling up to me, and he's pretty crippled up. And he was in Vietnam, and he got blown up pretty bad. Well, he was in the water and got chopped up. The Vietnamese ran him over with some boats, him and his crew. And he had a big piece of his arm missing and leg missing and all that. I mean, he was really bad shape. But he flew these things, you know? So uh, I said to him, I said... Uh, you know, what's your spiel about the power paragliders? How do you like it? He goes, ah, I died in Nam twice. He goes, this is nothing. I said, what a sales pitch. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I want to fly it, you know. But either way, it did happen. But normally you get training. His training was he came down to my house and we went to a farmer's field. He straps it on my back, right, puts these lines in my hands, what I should do, tells me what I should do, and then asks me, this was back in the 80s. Do you have 911 service here? I said, what the hell is that? You know, I'm in this thing ready to fly, and he asked me if I have 911 service, you know, in case something happens. So finally, he just says, run like hell, grab the throttle, full throttle, the wing will come up and go flying. So I did. I actually got off the air, you know. I mean, I don't know how, but I'm up there flying. It was a little windy, and it's bumpy. I'm scared to death. I don't know what I'm doing in this power paraglider. Now I got to land it. No idea how to land it, right? So I come blazing in, and he's yelling to me, like, pull the lines, pull the lines. I'm there, what? What? Pull the lines. And I didn't pull the line. I buried it, man. I must have hit the ground doing 15, 20 miles an hour in a lawn chair. Oh, I broke my thumb. My thumb got my arm. I was all twisted up. I bent the machine all up. Not too bad, but I'm like, wow, that was great. You know, I got to do this again. But I bought the machine, tried to fly it. About 10 times, I buried it, broke. I don't know how many props trying to do it. Finally, I found a guy from down around the Philadelphia area that came up and actually trained me, showed me like how to kite the chute. He goes, well, show me how you kite the chute. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you never kited the chute in a, in a training harness? I go, no, I just put the machine on and flew. He goes, you don't do that. You know, you take trains. I don't know, but nobody flew back then. You know, nobody did this stuff. So then he showed me how to kite it, and I got real good at it. And then uh, everybody wanted to know about it. So I thought, hey, I'm going to make this a business. I became an instructor and uh, flew power paragliders. It was a pretty wild way to learn how to fly. You know, being up two, three, four hundred feet, having no idea what you're doing. 
But that was a pretty wild paragliding story or how to learn on the job. That's on the job training there. So Shortly after learning how to fly, our storyteller had an opportunity to show off his new flying abilities to a group of bystanders. I was up in Ovid, New York, and we just bought a hand glider. We brought it back from Canada. And I had my paragliding equipment there. And uh, it was a little airport and a lot of people there. And they had an asphalt runway. And then they had a grass runway with tires sticking up, like halfway out of ground, showing where the grass runway was, right? Well, I'm in my paraglider. This is up in Dutch, Pennsylvania, Amish country up there in New York. Fields all over the place. So these guys are watching. They never seen one. I'm, I'm you know, I'm taking off and doing low passes and up over the trees. I shouldn't have been doing you know, really, you know, just kind of show, showing the people what the machine to do and how, how good I am, you know, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> this was, this was, you said Flintstones. This was the perfect Flintstone move, right? I'm coming in, I come down the runway and I'm, I'm, I'm on it, man. I'm on the throttle and I'm, I'm, I'm coming down. I'm like looking at her, look at the guys like, yeah, look at me. You know, I'm six inches off the ground, you know, or a foot off the ground. I got my legs stretched out, you know, so I'm just trying to, just skim the grass, look how the control, look how good I am. I'm looking over there and here a freaking tire came up, sticking out of ground. And I'm like, I was gliding over to the side, not watching it, watching everybody there. And the wind was pushing me over to the side. Next thing I know, the tire is sticking up. I pull the lines on my glider to make it over top of it. My ass gets over the tire, but the machine's four inches lower. It literally rip the machine off my back. I'm bouncing on my behind on the grass, looking at my machine like it's not on me. Like it's, 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 it's unbelievable. Like it was like in slow motion, like it just tore it off and I'm buckled in. I'm buckled in, but it tore my harness right off the machine because it's like one inch straps. That's how much pressure, nylon straps. The machine disintegrated, stayed with the tire. I'm bouncing on my butt down the grass and I'm look. I'm actually seeing the glider was still flying, and I'm not in it. And I'm there. Oh man! So I am just, you know, I'm just yeah. the biggest idiot here. I'm the biggest hot dog that you could, you know. So uh, you know, I, I pick up all the pieces and I take it over there, and all these people over there, and the one guy goes, "Dude, that was great." I said, "No, it wasn't. It was stupid." He goes, no, this is an extreme sport. That's what happens in extreme sports. I'm there, no, this was stupid. This isn't what happens in extreme Oh, that was bad. That was bad. Anytime I hot dog now, I immediately stop and say, remember that time up in New York? Don't do it again. Don't be a hot dog. Next, we'll hear what happens when the conditions weren't in our storyteller's favor while trying to make an already difficult landing. I was flying my uh, PWS powered weight shift hang glider. I took off out of my yard. My yard is a very short, short runway, and uh, probably only about 250 feet. I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't even. It was just a big yard. Well, I, you know, it's what I had, so I fly out of it. But uh, I had a pretty powerful machine, and me and my buddy, I weighed about 250 pounds. He's probably like 230. So we were maxed out on the machine, legal but maxed out. And uh, we took off and we went flying. It was a hot summer day. Uh, even in the morning, it was pretty hot. And we went out, I think we went out to a restaurant somewhere in the, in the hang glider, in the Cosmos, it was called. We come back, temperature got real hot, got real humid, and humidity and high temperatures is, isn't good for uh, any type of lift on a machine. <clears throat> we were coming back to my yard, 
And uh, I made one pass. I came in just way too hot. I just, I just couldn't slow it down enough. At the, end, at the end of my yard is about a 20-foot drop-off into a field and then down into the river, which was about a 300-foot drop-off. So uh, I went around, you know, thinking, okay, this time I'll really bring it in. And I had to come over 60-foot trees. So I had to come over 60-foot trees, like stall it over top the trees, and then dive down into the yard, get it on the ground, hit the brakes, and stop this thing. So I tried it again, and I'm like, you know, that was a pretty good, just where I wanted it, and I was still too fast. Just, just still too fast to stop this kind of weight without going over the bank. So I said, I'll try it one more time. You know, it's just, it was safe, but i try it one more time. So I came in, said, Third time, I come down over the yard. I was going to put it down. I said, no, forget it. I'm going to be safe. I'm going to fly it over to the airport. We'll land there. I'll fly it back myself later. So we come down over the yard, and I said, no, I decided to go around. So I pushed the wing out, and I started going up. I actually said to myself, and I always do, this is a real bad time to have an engine failure if you ever did. I hit the gas, and the throttle cable breaks. I lose my engine. Worst possible time you could ask. You're overweight, it's hot and humid, and I'm in a, a vertical position taking off, trying to get out from the river and the trees that are in front of me. So all of a sudden, my throttle cable breaks about maybe 50, 60 uh, feet off the ground. I got a cornfield below me, 60-foot trees pretty close in front of me, and I got to make a decision. So I had about I took about two seconds to reach for my side throttle. Wouldn't work. So I said, that's it. I'm done. Fly the machine. So I immediately, now we are so overweight and we're still like climbing at about maybe a 30 degree angle. So I lost that. I lost my speed. I lost my prop. So I immediately pull the bar in as close as I can, dive the thing almost straight towards the ground because I got to pick up my airspeed. Airspeed's everything. We're heading straight towards the ground. My buddy's in the back. I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know, this, this, is, good. this is going to get ugly. This is going to get bad because I got, I got trees in front of me. I got a cornfield under me, and I got a river that I could turn into 300 feet. What am I going to do? So I'm, I'm there. No, I'm going I'm to try to bury it in the field before we hit the trees. So I got, I got it. I pulled the wing in. I'm going straight towards the ground, almost literally straight towards the ground, I'm watching my airspeed at about 20 feet off the ground. I push the wing out as hard as I can. With that, with the airspeed, I had, I had about 40 knots of airspeed now. I went from like 10 to 40. And by pushing the wing out, it flared. It did flare, but it hit the ground flat and hard. I mean, pieces flew all over the place. We didn't hit, we didn't bury it straight in, but we buried it on a hard, flat landing. The back running gear fell out. The engine popped off. The engine got ripped right out of it. Uh, we're skidding through the corn. And, you know, I mean, the front wheel, oh, yeah, the, the back wheels came off first because we hit so hard. Then the engine came out because we hit so hard. That ripped right off the frame. And then the front wheel, we hit like a, a, a mile, and that popped off. We had a pretty, a pretty good hit, you know. But the wing was still on it, and we skidded to a stop. And I'm like, Wow. I'm there. We're alive. My buddy, my buddy goes, that's not supposed to happen, is it? I said, no, no, wheels and engines don't fly off of machines. You know, he thought it was just part of the, part of the ride. So I'm sweating. You know, I'm, uh, 
Oh my eyes! I thought, you know, I mean, but but it was from the training. It was from my instructor telling me keep up your airspeed. Airspeed is your friend, and, and and altitude. I didn't have a lot of altitude because of the engine failure with all the weight climbing out. But I did keep my airspeed up, and I mean, jam that wing out. It did flare. It got us flat, but when we hit, it just completely destroyed the machine. But we walked away. But it was it was kind of funny because. Uh, <laughs> My kids were out in the yard, and they seen it all happen. And uh, we're out in the field, parts all over the place. We're getting out, and my one son comes out and goes, "Dad, Mom says you're late for supper." <laughs> I'm looking at him like I'm almost dead here, you know. And you're telling me I'm late for supper. Probably worse that I was late for supper than the crash landing. So. Up next, we'll hear how our other storyteller faced a scenario in her early days of flying that would frighten some of the most seasoned pilots. It was fairly early in my career of flying. We were in a, a huge farmer's field. He had us fly out of it. And uh, there was a lot of development around there. And what, well, let me tell you what we're flying. We're flying backpack paragliders, okay, which is a, uh, a small light machine that you put on your back with a, a big wing, like a parachute wing. It's called an elliptical wing. And uh, Jan was flying one with a little tiny trike on it because of the weight. You can't put the weight on your back. I fly the backpack without the trike. And just took off from the farmer's field over the silos, tooling around, having a good time on radio. And, uh, you know, being an instructor, you always take care of your students. You know, you double check everything, make sure. And she was a really good pilot. She was probably had a few hours, 10, 15, 20 hours under her belt, but just a good pilot. And it's a fairly easy machine to fly. And uh, she took off, and I always watch her, you know. We were, I think we had on radio. So all of a sudden, she's flying, and I'm talking to her, and you can hear the engine noise in the background. And then you hear the sickening noise of there is no noise. <laughs> you know, the motor's running, and then, ooh, it just nothing. Tried once to restart it. That's not that's not happening. So she's nowhere to be seen. You know, I could a little dot way out on the horizon, which is over developing, you know, more or less the town. So to land something like that, being that new, I was just really scared that, you know, we're going to have a problem here. You know, trying to stay calm, not don't panic, but I don't know a whole lot. Well, it got a glider. I'm not going to crash. So I took off. I took off across the field. This was a huge field because I could see her out there. And uh, she yelled, uh, my engine stopped, you know, and I just dropped everything and I started running. And uh, here, here she got it between, it was like a big industrial park. She maneuvered that thing down, down over the buildings and put it right into a little, a little grassy area there. Perfect. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't have did it better. I was so excited that I actually put it down without bouncing it, you know, really nice and smooth. I was so excited about that, more excited about that than I actually survived an engine failure. And he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I landed so soft. It was perfect. <laughs> but it was, it was very, it was very nerve wracking. But as they tell you, always remember to the first thing to do is always fly the craft, like don't panic. You still got some speed and you look for your landing, but always fly the aircraft. And it worked out fine. And uh, that was a really scary feeling because, you know, an instructor takes care of their students. And, you know, you have something major like that engine failure or any engine failure is major. But she uh, she's pretty smart. She she knew the golden rule that no matter what you're flying, you never fly over anything you wouldn't want to land on. So she was flying fields and, you know, areas where you could land. 
and uh, it, it turned out pretty good. We did upgrade to a bigger machine after that, though. You know, that one is gone. That one's history. I was, like, amazed that, you know, she she stayed calm, like she said, you know, and, and, and I always teach this. If you have an engine failure problem, panic is your worst enemy. You know, you keep a cool head. You think quick. You know, you got to make some decisions. But in her case, I teach make the decision before it even happens. You don't want to be in a spot where you shouldn't be. Because most of the time when you're having the most fun and you're enjoying yourself the best is when something happens. Your guard's down. You're not ready for it. And it didn't happen with her. You know, she knew not to fly over any place that would get her in trouble with a glide ratio. Even though she was a new pilot, you know, she was very, very professional in how she handled the situation. A lot better than I I thought. You know, she actually listened. She, she listened for a girl. <laughs> You know, she actually listened to what I taught her and, and used it exactly how it should be where, you know, no, no panic, keep a cool head, fly it to the ground, you know, and she did. I had another engine failure a couple years later and landed in a, a farmer's field again. Luckily, the farmers are nice. That, that one, I was less nervous because I had already experienced one. And if you're over a field... You know, you got the glide ratio from the glider, so it's not a panic. You, as long as you're not over water or a fire or a building, you're, you're going to be okay. That one was pretty cool because I landed in the farmer's field behind a row of houses, and then all the neighbors came running out, and one guy's like, do you want a lemonade? You know? <laughs> They're like taking care of me until the guys came to pick me up, but always an adventure. Finally, both our storytellers were on a flight where they learned that backseat driving can be very important in an unexpected situation. We decided to fly this day. It was a really nice sunny day. And uh, we have a, a, a Crocker Signet. It's called a PWS, Powered Weight Shift. That's the government designated for it. It's basically a big powered hang glider or a trike. A lot of people call them trike. But it has pontoons and it's an amphibian. So we decided to go flying that day. It was a nice day. We are going to take it over to the river. We live in Pennsylvania. Our little airport was Braden's Airpark. And we had to put it together. Uh, we trail her over to Braden's. We don't keep it there. So we had to put the wing together and do all the safety checks and everything on it. So uh, Jan's just starting to learn how to fly that. She's a paraglider pilot already. But uh, she was flying back seat. And the machine is a, a training machine, so it has dual controls. So pilot in charge was in the front, which was me. Well, normally, if I'm training, full training, I would be in the back seat. She would be in the front. But this was more or less a little bit of a, a fun flight. But she does have use of the controls. But we get her all together. We do our checks and we take off. And I've been flying this a lot. She, she doesn't come along a real lot, but I've been flying it a lot and doing a lot of landings on the river. So we take off and we went over and uh, when you take off, gear down. And as soon as you lift off, you lift the gear up. There's a lever you pull back and it locks all the gear up for water landings, which is, you know, normal. You do it all the time. So we took off, went over the river. Uh, it's a small river, pretty fast rapids. And uh, we were coming down on the river, had the gear up. We did a couple river landings. So we're real comfortable having fun. So we decided to go back to the airport. And on the way back, I was wondering, should I question him if he put the wheels back down or should I just sit back here a nice passenger? I'm showing Jan about base legs and finals and doing everything, you know, just trying to show her the patterns and radio work and not really concentrate on 
the machine itself. So, uh, and I already heard about these stories, but I thought, nah, this would never happen. You know, you know, you would never forget to do anything when you're flying something. So we're going downwind, everything's fine. We take a base leg and we're heading in on final. And I was just a beautiful, you know, just looking around and got it all set up to come in. And I'm probably out maybe, I'm out maybe a quarter mile and I got my glide ratio going and I'm coming in, coming in, and, uh, you know, just oblivious to anything. And Right before we landed, I tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, did you put the wheels down? And I said, oh, no. And, I mean, I was in a flare. I was just about ready to touch it. I smashed on the throttle. And I don't know how we didn't bury it on the asphalt runway. I mean, we were had to be inches, inches away. And I just slammed on the throttle, pushed the wing out, and... We didn't hit. We didn't hit. And I went around and I mean, I broke out into a cold sweat and I'm saying to myself, you know, you always said, how do people land airplanes with their gear up when, you know, this is, you know, that's one of the things I just, it was just an eye opening experience for me. So we went around and I was actually sweating. I, I couldn't believe I did that. <laughs> Jan's laughing. I'm like, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to be a backseat driver. <laughs> so tell me, tell me what to do. You know, if you see something's not wrong, say something, you know, you see something, say something. That's what you should do. And she did. You know, she was thinking more than I did. I was pilot in charge. So after that, we learned that we should put a little... You know, label on the front. Check your landing gear, stupid. That's what I put on there, you know. So whenever I look at the dash, you know, check my gauges and check my stuff like that. I see that and I'm always, so now I'm like a crazy landing gear checker, you know. I'm like, I got my hand on it like 10 times as I'm coming in on final just to make sure it's like that. But that was a lesson learned. Because you kind of forget, you know, you're up in the air, you're in the moment, you're not really thinking. You know, you were just landing there, you're just landing here. So that was that was a learning experience, which would have been really painful for the pontoons and us. Use your checklist. And I didn't do that, and uh, it almost bit me in the behind. Gary and Jan Emmerich recently moved to an air park in Bushnell, Florida, and their hangar literally looks like the coolest toy shop for an aviator. Gary's machining area in the back makes me really jealous. While telling all of these stories, Gary stressed the fact that for every one of these mishaps, there are hundreds of perfect flights where nothing went wrong. And following prior training and staying calm is what prevented Jan and Gary from being seriously injured in any of their rare malfunctions. It just seems like the scary stories are always the ones that we remember best. You can check out pictures of Gary and Jan's aircrafts and more information related to these stories by going to the article at thelogbookpodcast.com. This episode was supported directly by your donations. If you enjoy the show, you can support its production by becoming a patron. Through Patreon, you set a donation level that is given every time a new episode is released, and you can always set a monthly limit so you don't go over your budget. Depending on the amount donated, you are granted access to different rewards that are as simple as hearing a sneak preview to the next episode, all the way up to exclusive content that didn't make it into the show. Any amount is helpful, and the more that's donated, the more the show can improve. Head over to our website, thelogbookpodcast.com, and click on the Patreon banner at the side of the page to start supporting. Also, don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps bring awareness to the logbook. If you have a story about anything in aviation, we would love to hear it, and it may even become an episode of the logbook. You can send us an email by using the contact page on our website. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you come back for the next entry in the logbook. <laughs>